This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So owing money, we know it's incredibly stressful. Um, a piece of that stress or a source of that stress can be due to just not knowing what one's rights are when it yeah. comes to owing that money. Because, I mean, you know this. In some cases, this needs to be looked at right away, or you mm-hmm. need to pay this back as soon as possible. In other cases, you know, there's a negotiation involved. So let's talk yeah. about that. What actually happens if a debt goes unpaid? That's the that's the focus of this segment. Yeah. So I think we want to give people some tools, some frameworks, some information here about you know if a collection agent is calling you, that's probably the, you know the least <laughs> you know least good you're gonna you're gonna feel when someone's on the phone with you accosting you saying you're a bad person you're not paying this debt I had someone tell me today just the tone of voice the collector took with them instantly their heart started to race there they started to sweat a little bit so when you're starting to get a bunch of collection calls it can be a very emotional a very difficult type of situation and the whole thing a collector is going to try to do is assert their rights and not make you aware of your rights so for today's segment let's talk about you know what can you do if a collector calls what can they reasonably do what can they not reasonably do and what are your options there? Okay, what 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 are my options? That just scares the heck out of me knowing that somebody's going to call and 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 these people are probably really good at making this phone call, right? Yeah. Intimidation, shame, guilt, uh, threatening, <laughs> you yeah. name it, right? Well, what even gets me too is, you know, even the government has started to outsource some of their debts to collection agents. Oof. So things like student loans, if you go delinquent, you might get a call from ARO Collections or CBB. These are private companies. And again, what my clients tell me of the things they'll say over the phone, I'm like, my God, the government is backing these guys? It's, it's scary stuff. But let's talk about, you know, why would you be getting a collection sure. call? So why is that? Because that means you've been in, that means you've been ignoring a few things for a while at yeah, this point too, right? A collector is never going to be their first step to recover the debt. So, you know, if I owe the bank a little bit of money, I've been a customer of the bank for a long time, they're going to want to preserve that customer relationship, but not forever. So generally what happens is if you miss one payment on your credit cards or bills or whatever, they'll be fine. You might get a little notation on the next statement that says, oh, we didn't receive your payment. You know, maybe it crossed us in the mail. Please catch it up this month. After three months, that's going to be when the niceness stops. Okay, three months. That's what you've got. So three months of missed payments. What essentially is going to happen then is the bank's going to start to give up on the customer relationship. They're going to say, you know what? We've tried being nice about this. We wanted to keep you as a customer, but now we'd rather just get the money. We're going to give up on treating you nice, but we don't want to do that ourselves. We want to put on, you know, a different face and give that to a collector who's essentially, um, you know, going to try to put some pressure on you to get paid. Now, the challenge that I have here is if you could have paid the debt, you would have paid the bank, right? No one would have automatically just let a good debt go to collections just for the fun of it. So quite often, if someone's uh, receiving collection calls, they're not in a position to actually make good on this debt anyway. And all the collection calls are doing is adding more stress to their day. Okay, so they've called me. Yeah. Um, Where do you start, right? Yeah, where do I start and what are my rights at this point? 
Yeah, so, so one place to start is right off the top, you have the right to demand proof of the debt. You have the right to demand proof of anybody that's calling you, provide me some written proof that I actually owe this debt. Because sometimes what happens is that a debt might be very old, that it's not even legally valid anymore, but the collector's not going to tell you that. If you ask for written proof, they would show you a statement from 10 years ago, and then you would understand, well, if I've done nothing for 10 years, well, you know, why are you collecting now? You know, go away. But if you don't demand written proof, you know, you're just accepting that, okay, this is something that I automatically owe. Now, even if you know you owe this money, I would still say to the collector, I'd like to demand written proof. I want to know for sure who you're acting on behalf of. Just by doing that, you will separate yourself from other folks who are, again, very quick to just, you know, take the authority as as, as spoken rather than question it a little bit. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what about mail-only communication? That's interesting. I can't, I, I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Oh, Elaine, the number of people and often senior citizens, I can make their day completely by saying, you don't need to pay me a thing. You don't need a bankruptcy. What you need to do is you need to understand that the, the province of BC protects you from these calls. All you need to do is invoke that protection. So province of BC says a collector can call you from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week, and they can call you on Sunday for about a six-hour period. So literally seven days a week they can be on your mind. What the province of BC also puts out but doesn't publicize well at all is that you can send a notation, a one-page letter to any collector that calls you that says, pursuant to the Consumer Protection Act, I do not consent to phone calls. Hmm. As simple as that. And they have to adhere to that? They have to adhere to that. It's it's right in the law. You would make a co- complaint against them to Consumer Protection BC if they didn't. Okay. And then they would then take some action to stop them, right? That's right. From they, doing that. Yeah. They would put fines on them. They might remove their license. It's a very serious thing. Um, because again, if you could pay the debt, you would have. Is there anything to be gained by you getting into emotional discussions every day no. with someone whose interests are completely at odds with yours? No, you're not going to feel good after that. Yeah. And I don't even owe them the money. It's, uh, you know, another organization that they're representing. So, yeah, they can be as mean as they want. Oh, yeah. So definitely you want to send this letter off and you'd want to remain proof or retain proof that you sent the letter. So, you know, a fax confirmation sheet or registered mail and you you have a little, you know, pad beside the phone the next time they call. I sent you a legal letter. It was received on this day. Did you not receive it? Okay, I will send you a second copy, but I am notifying this or I am noting this as I go along. You won't have to have too many of those conversations. And the real impact here is what the collection agent will put down on paper is night and day different to what they will say verbally because they figure most people don't record their calls. So again, if you really want a collection agent to dance smartly, start the conversation off by saying, by the way, I am recording this call. Excellent. Even, well, even if you're not, even it if you're doesn't not. matter. And the law in Canada says as long as one person is aware, which can even be just you, you're fine to record a call. So exactly. I encourage people to, again, assert a little bit of power, put the dynamic back on more equal footing. Excellent. Now, I'm sort of surprised at this, and I know you've got a great explanation, changing your bank account. Now, mm-hmm. what's the advantage of doing that? Yeah, so we're all, you know, very much conditioned and advertising to say, put everything under one umbrella. You know, if you've been a bank customer your whole life, you should have your daily checking there and your mortgage there and your credit card there and so on and so forth. And they want you to do that. Absolutely, they want you to do that. That's where they make a lot of money having all of your needs together. But also what happens is that gives the bank free access to any of your assets that are held at the bank. If you have a credit card with Royal Bank and you have an account with Royal Bank and you default on that credit card, they can go into your account and clean it out and take the payment. 
Got it. If you have a credit card with Royal Bank, but you bank with CIBC, they can't touch a dollar of your money unless they hired a lawyer, spent months getting you served, going to court, spending thousands of dollars. I'm not advocating anybody not paying their debts if they're not able to, but if you're talking about you got your rent due in a couple days and you didn't make the credit card payment and suddenly the bank came into your account and took your rent money, that's a bad situation. Exactly. Then you've got two or three big problems. Exactly. Okay. So I'd suggest to folks, if you're banking where you owe money, just don't do that. Just spread your accounts out so that you have your assets, you know, your daily checking. If you have a TFSA or an RRSP or something, have that at one bank and have a credit card from somewhere else. I don't think you're seeing any benefit typically of wrapping it all up within one bank other than, you know, you get one statement or one package of statements. Sure. But the risk that you take is far greater than that. Oh, that's such good. That's such a good idea. Um, what is when somebody phones me and threatens legal action, uh, what does that really mean? Nothing. In your world. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it, it means yeah, basically less than nothing. Wow. So there's a lot of research out there that if 10,000 people are threatened with legal actions by a collection agent, one in those 10,000 will actually be sued. Okay. So if a collector is threatening to sue you, I would suggest you say, okay, do what you need to do. I'll wait for the documents to arrive. Right. Okay. There was a lot of controversy years ago where collectors started to send out these draft court documents, draft statements of claims that looked official, but had nothing to do with officialdom. Um, That's illegal now. So if you receive an actual court document, then you've got to deal with something. Pay attention. But typically it's going to be the bank that's going to sue you. It's not going to be the collection agency. It's going to cost them thousands of dollars. If they're collecting on a two or $3,000 debt, they're not going to invest five or six to get you to court. And if they actually got you to court, if you decided to file a bankruptcy or a proposal literally the day of, all that money is wasted. They're no better off and they know that. Right. And so if you're being threatened with legal action or, you know, you must return my call within 24 hours or else, don't return that call and see what happens. Generally, nothing is the answer. Right. And then you've got those other great uh, things that you can do. Request the mail-only communication, demand proof, all those kinds of things, and change that bank account. Mm -hmm. So uh, the fifth one, don't make partial or good faith payments. Yeah, this one I love, and I think it will be a surprise to a bunch of our listeners here, because sometimes you think that a collection agent is actually working with you when they say, you know what, I know you can't pay the full amount. Why don't you pay me 10 bucks this month or 20 bucks? or 50 bucks or some fraction of what's owed. And you think, okay, this is a reasonable person. They want to work with me. They want to help me along here. What they're doing is they're making sure that they're going to be able to collect from you forever. Mm. Because the province of BC has a limitations act that says if you owe somebody money and you stop paying them, they have to decide, are they going to sue you or are they going to not sue you within two years of your last payment? If two years go by and you haven't made a payment and they haven't sued you, if they take any action legally to recover this debt, they can spend however much money they want, you'd show up in court and you'd win in 10 seconds. You'd say, if they've got no proof that I have paid in the last two years, therefore this is should be thrown out It's pursuant to the Limitations Act. Got it. So they will never tell you this. And what they're doing by getting you with these partial good faith payments is you are resetting that limitations clock every month. So I that understand. two years will never kick in if you make partial payments every month. So it's a good idea. Well, I mean, it's just such a good idea to know this before you embark on it. 
Now, of course, ultimately, uh, if if you're getting calls from a debt collector and you and there is a lot of debt out there, uh, the the best idea, you know, so you don't have to worry about all these other things we've talked about, is get a hold of a professional that's going to help you. Yeah, come in and, and talk to us. Talk to a licensed insolvency trustee. Um, again, I had people bring me collection notices every day of the week. I love to see what new and wonderful wording they're using there. Um, I have people tell me about the calls that they have. I have never had a client who was actually sued by a collection agent. And I've been trustee practicing for more than 10 years. I've had, you know, governments take action to seize wages. I've had banks, you know, take action to try to sue a client. And then, you know, we, we put it in protection that has to stop. But this idea that collection agents have all this power that we have to be afraid of them and dance to their tune. No, you can flip the dynamic. You, the consumer, have the power. And when I go and see Sands and Associates, you're going to not only tell me that, you're going to put in things in place Mm -hmm. that I can, because if somebody's calling you, if a debt collection agency is calling you, that's probably a good sign that you need to get a little bit of help on how how to figure this out and to get rid of it, because it is stressful owing money for sure. I mean, there's a lot of emotion connected to it. Oh yeah, we might have a great meeting. At the end of the meeting, I say, here's the mail-only notification letter that you need. It's on my website. If you go to Sands Trustee forward slash downloads, you'll see it there. But a lot of my meetings are, here are the tools that you need to put the power back in your shoes. And if that's enough to solve the problem, great. If it's not enough that, you know, you really do have a debt problem, well, we're going to fix the whole thing. If any of this information resonates with you, uh, the very best place to start is give Blair a call. Give Sands and Associates a call. He's got a huge staff in all the different locations uh, that can give you more information. It's a free consultation. Your first one is absolutely free, and your second and third one might be as well, depending on what it is you're going to take or what action you're going to take. Nice and easy, the phone number, 1-800-661-3030 to get that free consultation and to find an office near you. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, experts in helping you get out of debt. For information on any of the services that we talk about on the show, go to sands-trustee.com or you can call 1-800-661-3030 to find an office near you and make an appointment for a free consultation. On the line with us right now is Terrence, and uh, Terrence is a former client of Sands & Associates, uh, and uh, you said a a lovely thing before we started, Terrence, about... uh, um, just appreciating the work that Sands and Associates did for you. Yeah, I certainly do appreciate them a lot, Elaine. It's lovely. Go ahead, Blair. Great. Well, th- thank you, Terrence. Thank you for joining us and for having um, you know the, the courage to, to come forward and, and to tell your story because I know there are so many people who are struggling, who are facing similar situations to what you faced. You faced it head on and, and came out the the other side better off for it. Um, and I've always been impressed, Terrence, that you're happy to share that experience. So I wonder if we could start. Can you just give us a little bit of background about the situation? You know, what was your life like before you, you reached out for help to us? How did you know that you, you needed the the help of Sands and Associates. Well, you know, Blair, it, it was I was just like the average person, working my way through life and paying my bills and everything was going along smooth. And then by chance I won a considerable amount of money. Hmm. I, I tried some investments and not being what one would call a good money handler, 
I made some pretty bad mistakes. I, I allowed myself to falsely think that somehow things would just work out. Right. And somehow all would be well. And that was just wishful thinking, Blair, on my part. I really needed some advice and some help. And so that's why I reached out. Uh, I made the mistake of trying to recuperate my losses, and that led me to living off credit cards and putting off paying some current debts. One day, I had the shock of my life and a real stopping moment. I saw for the first time the small print on one of my mm-hmm. credit cards statements that read, if you make only the required minimum payment, it'll take you 26 years to pay off this card. (laughs) (laughs) Larry, you can imagine the shock I got. And and Terrence, I I don't mean to to date you, but do you mind giving a sense of of your age at this point? Hopefully there's 26 years there. Well, that, yeah, well, I was actually 70, 76 years old. Right. So I thought, well, wait a minute, I may or may not get this paid off before I leave, so I better look into something. Right. And, um, and the amount was not in the hundreds of thousands of dollars either. That's what really shocked me. And I thought the amount was manageable, uh, except it would take so long to pay it off. Then along came a, a late night TV show about bankruptcy. And the person being interviewed was a money manager, a multimillionaire, who had made some poor choices and wanted to let folks know that there was no shame um, in these poor choices and no embarrassment in filing bankruptcy. And, Blair, that's when I sat up. And this person had said, you know, mistakes happen with a lot of folks, and some poor times poor choices are made. Well, I dropped my shame, I dropped my embarrassment, I squared my shoulders, and I decided to seek some help. Right, and, and that's great, Terrence, and that, you know, the stigma that we have for individuals in debt, you know, for so long I've been frustrated that we don't think necessarily a corporation is bad because they've had to restructure, you know, Air Canada, who's restructured a number of times, we don't think they're a bad company, but individually we tend to put a lot of stigma on ourselves that we're a bad person if, if we can't always pay our debts back in full. It's true. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, oh, oh not, not at all, Terrence. I wonder if you if you could to kind of bring us along on that journey, because I think it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, so you've reached out to, to make the call. What, what happened from there? Well, I, I had to seek out some folks that um, had filed bankruptcy, and I, I was looking for a company with a good reputation. I, I, you know, you, you get a little nervous about these things. Um, so I finally wound up uh, calling your company, Sands & Associates. What was amazing to me, Blair, was how well I was received. I, I met with a representative uh, who made me feel so warm and friendly. Um, uh, she was a friendly and warm person. It made me feel really welcome. Uh, she put me in a frame of mind of feeling absolutely no embarrassment at filing bankruptcy, regardless of what age. She walked me through the process with care and kindness. And, Blair, the moment I agreed to the terms, which, by the way, were very uncomplicated and very simple to understand, I felt a tremendous relief. The 26 years to pay off that one credit card debt vanished at the moment I put my signature to paper and agreed to the terms of bankruptcy, as outlined, by the way, Blair, by the government and its legal process, and was handled by experts in the field of financial advice and recuperation, and that was your company. And what, what did you think you were walking into, Terrence? I'm curious, because I know people are, you know, they really, they 
beat themselves up and they delay making the call because I think they're worried they're going to come in and feel judged or, or things like that. What what were you imagining for that meeting? Because I can that, tell it, it exceeded your expectations, but what were really those expectations? Yeah. yeah, it really did exceed it because I felt exactly what you're saying. We have this cultural thing, you know, the bankruptcy is a no-no and you must be terrible. And it's not. It's, it's not. It's a, it's a, a part of life, actually, for a lot of people. But this process really, really surprised me, as I was under the impression that filing bankruptcy would be an invasion of my personal life, and the government would be involved, and that process would just take forever. Blair, nothing like that happened. Mm-hmm. The process, process was just about as simple as it gets, and with the help of that financial advisor at Sands & Associates, I started to feel good immediately. Terrence, um, I'm curious, how has that experience impacted your financial habits today? And how are you, you know, how are you doing after going through uh, the bankruptcy? How are things now? Well, you know, Elaine, really well. This experience of filing the bankruptcy and the solid advice and suggestions from the folks at Sands has made me a better money handler. They, they went through all kinds of uh, processes with me, uh, various simple things to do to make things easier to handle money in the future. Can you talk so, a little bit about what those things were, Terrence? Yep. Or what they you do? Just, they, were, they would have forms that they t- gave me to take home to read, and I would read them, and they would be just suggestions on, or I might call them good ideas, on what to do and how to handle your money uh, making budgets, what to put aside, how much to put aside, how to prepare for the future, and on all of those things. And so what they did, they gave me, I, I think, like a financial freedom. And that's why I have to thank some of the experts uh, from your place over there and from the professional field. And I would say this to anyone in a difficult money situation, if I may, Elaine and Blair, This is what I would say. Don't wait another day. Pick up the telephone, make that call to Sands & Associates, and set the ball rolling to a happy, secure, and future-free of financial torment. I went through it. I know how bad it is, but I also realize now how easy it was and how good it, it, it feels good. And I would say to those folks, let your financial problems of today be your victory of tomorrow. Let Sands and Associates be the springboard that catapults you into a victory of financial happiness and freedom. And forgive me for going on. You know I like to write, so I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a kind of a wordy person. You're pretty eloquent, Terrence, I have to admit. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I do get a little wordy, but my, my heart knows there's just no limit to the joy I have in my life now because of what Sands and Associates did for me. And I'm not saying that because you are Sands and Associates and I'm on the radio with you. I'm saying that because that's a personal, happy, joyful feeling inside of me that I'm happy to share with anybody that's having a problem. Terrence, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to Dollars and Cents uh, with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. Get a financial fresh start just like Terrence did by calling 1-800-661-3030 to find an office near you. Thank you again, Terrence. You're more than welcome, and it was nice speaking with both of you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be back with more right after this.
You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scull, and along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. Uh, in the studio with us is Fred Snyder, a Senior Vice President and Investment Advisor at Mackey Research Capital. <laughs> Certainly no stranger to CKNW as well. Over 40 years of experience as a financial advisor, passionate about the need for financial education. And that's what we're going to talk about is all those years. Fred, thank you so much for joining us. Elaine, thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. Blair, I know you guys are kind of in this sort of either end of this business. Yeah. Uh, you've got lots of questions. Oh, definitely. And yeah, Fred, we've spent time on the air before on your show. Yeah, so, sure. so thrilled to have you on our show here. For today's segment, love to get some, you know, sharing of your experience over a long career being a financial advisor. I wonder if we can just start at the high level. What kind of a perspective do you get when over, you know, periods of years you've seen people, you know, be very successful or those who have seen, you know, they haven't reached their dreams for whatever reason? Well, you know, Blair, statistically speaking, if you take 100 people who start out equal today at the age of 25, by the time they end up at 65, one is wealthy, <laughs> one. One. Four are well-to-do, five are still working, 36 are dead, and there's 54 left over. They're dead broke, dependent on family and state. 54, so the majority. DBS statistics. Yeah. They have hardly ever changed. People don't change. People accumulate bad habits, and they stick to them. Hmm. It's like I said earlier, many, many times, that how do you get out of the hole? You stop digging. Right. You, got, you, you have to learn to spend less than you earn. When I, The company I first joined when I started in this business said, we are surrounded with people that have limited vision, lack of knowledge, and entrenched habits, and that's why they need us. So what does that mean? Hmm. Limited vision. They don't have goals. Right. How, how do you get someplace if you don't know where you want to go? Okay? It's like driving around town with a bag over your head. Okay? Uh, limited vision. Lack of knowledge. They don't, in school, they don't teach us how to keep our money. They teach us how to earn it, but yeah. they don't teach us how to keep it. And most of us fail unless we're lucky enough to fall into the hands of a really great financial advisor that's going to coach us and help us. And you're smart enough to take the advice. Yeah, yeah. and smart enough to take it. Sometimes uh, they, 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 they fall into bad times. Uh, you have a book that you've written called When Life Bites You in the Wallet. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good analogy. I've read that book cover to cover about a dozen times. Wow. I turned it into a 35-millimeter slide presentation if you ever want a copy of that. You <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. You gave it to me. Thank you. Yeah. It's great information, okay? Yeah. But, but the bottom line is that they do not have a wealth accumulation plan. And I mean a formal wealth accumulation plan. I often say that there's five steps to achieving anything. Step one is to crystallize your thinking. Decide exactly what you want to achieve. Right. What is it you want? You want a bigger house? You want your own business? You want a portfolio of real estate? Whatever it is, formalize that goal and, and, and determine what you want. So actually write it down. Black yeah. and white, these are my goals. That's step two. Okay. Step two is to develop written plans. Oh. So With step deadlines. one, set the goal. Step two, right? Okay. Yep. Establish the goals. And yep. step two, turn it into a plan. Yeah. And step three is to kindle desire. Okay. Mm. You, you have to want to enough. 
Having is the result of being. You must become before you have. Okay, so you want more? Become. But have a burning desire to achieve those goals. How do you create that desire? Well, sit back and imagine yourself enjoying all those goals that you set for yourself. You want a 40-foot yacht? Imagine yourself out on the water, sitting in your yacht, fishing lines in the water, hearing the water lapping on the sides of the boat. Visualize it. Be able to see it. Put all your senses into play. Develop a word picture. So you motivate yourself so that when you get up in the morning, you have this obsession about achieving your goals. Because people aren't obsessed enough. It's so interesting, Fred. And Elaine, you said, yeah, two sides of a coin, Fred. So you're saying, you know, your goals for financial stability, picture yourself that way, financial Mm -hmm. prosperity. For me, when I'm sitting down with someone, sometimes I lead them on that bit of a a journey here. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your life without debt, right? So if you were to wake up tomorrow, you had no collection calls, you didn't have this big bill, you had no idea to pay, you had dealt with it, you could move forward. Wouldn't that be a different life? And wouldn't you want that? Well, of course. Well, let's move towards that. The visualizing, I think, is absolutely key, whether it's just to get back to zero, owing nobody anything, or getting to the point mm-hmm. of this you know, great financial goal that you have, whether it's prosperity, savings, property, whatever it is. You're bang on. Yeah. It's vi- the visualization thing. Imagine yourself. You're in Hawaii. You're walking on the beach. You can feel the hot sand crunch between your toes. Hear the waves la- lapping on the shore. The seagulls screaming overhead. Okay? Mm-hmm. Put yourself in the picture. And if you don't have a crystal clear goal, you can't put yourself in the picture. So the, all the steps kind of tie together. The fourth step is to develop confidence. you got to believe you can. Don't ever establish a goal that you don't think that you can achieve. And if you start out thinking you can't achieve it, have a coach teach you how to achieve it. But if you get to the point where you don't believe that you can achieve it, it won't motivate you. Hmm. So you got to believe you can. And the last step is the most important one of all, and that's to have the iron-willed determination to follow through on your plan, regardless of circumstances, criticism, or what other people say, think, or do. Hmm. So when somebody comes to you, they want to get out of debt or whatever, don't let, tell them, don't let anybody talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's your financial future. So those five steps are very, very important. But really, uh, I think Napoleon Hill once said that anything that you can vividly imagine, ardently desire, enthusiastically act upon, believe you can, will inevitably come to pass. And I think that's true. Yeah, those are motivating words for sure. Yeah. Fred, I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, we see some trends come and go, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the last few years, I've heard about robo-advisors. That seems to be, you know, the, the latest new thing. And, you know, uh, before then, you know, TFSAs were, you know, very big. They were brand mm-hmm. new and still important. I wonder what you've seen come and go over the last, you know, number of years. Are there things that you think are here to stay? Are there some, you know, flashes in the pan? I sure hope that mm-hmm. robo-advisors aren't. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, awful. right? Well, yeah. that flies in the face mm-hmm. of, did you ever... Listen to a computer and get inspired? Oh, exactly. <laughs> Remember Hal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is Hal. Yeah. you got to be old enough to know yeah, that. You'll never retire. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But the bottom line is, uh, I, th- I, think robo- I think that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Imagine a financial institution ripping your clients away from you, sending them to the head office and saying, from now on, those people are going to be looked after by a robot. Right. That's what it boils down to. I, I think that is sickening. Mm-hmm. 
Because to your pardon point, pardon me if I get enthusiastic about that, but I am. But you wouldn't get the coaching, you know, the Kindle of desire, no, you know, no. the financial planner will help you achieve those goals. A robot's going to feed back to you what you feed in. We're taught to sit down with people and uh, psychoanalyze them, literally, hmm. to figure out what their biases are, what motivates them. You got to have a conversation with somebody. A, a robot can't do that. Right. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> One of the things that we sort of mentioned before we started this was, uh, Fred, you've been in the business for so long and, and been mm-hmm. on the planet for a while. Uh, it feels to me, and I don't think I'm alone in this, that 2017 is kind of a feels very unsettling and, and a bit scary in terms of uh, economies and money and how things are, you know, how they used to go and how they're going now. Do you share that? Do you get concerned? We got some pretty scary guys out there. We have Putin. We have Kim Jong-un. Okay. We have Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of scary guys out there and scary situations. Are there things, do you think? And the weather. Yeah, and the weather, right? <laughs> yeah. The natural disaster part of yeah. it. But, and there's, we really have no control, personal control over mm-hmm. any of those things. What do you, what kind of advice do you give to people? Because I'm sure you get that when they come in your door well, and say, scared the heck out of me. Let's explore that a bit, Elaine. You know, go back to 08. What happened in 08? was not what, a good year. What caused mm-hmm. that huge meltdown in the market? Yeah. There was no money. There was no money in 08. Even the banks didn't have money. What's different today? There's lots of money. Hmm. It's a huge difference, and people don't even take that into account. What else is different? Why is the stock market doing so well in spite of itself right now, okay? I'm talking U.S. more than anything. Because I think the stock market is anticipating some big changes in taxation, corporate taxation in particular, especially in the States. Um, Lots of money that's offshore or companies that are offshore are going to be coming home and earning money in the States, lower taxes. Do you know that Hong Kong and Singapore have the best economies in the world and they have a flat tax system? Hmm. Okay. I think we're going to have a flat tax system eventually in the States and I don't think it's that far off. And what about Canada saying it will just follow suit? Well, we usually follow. Follow If it works in the States, we'll follow. Sure. I don't know why they don't follow our health care right. plan. We have, I think we have a pretty good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they can't seem to get it together in that area at all yeah. for whatever reason. But I think that taxation is going to be the key. The, the, the single main reason why people fail financially is taxation. That's the mm-hmm. biggest enemy of financial success. But I think, yeah, to, to your <laughs> point, Fred, unless you're dealing with an advisor that knows this stuff, right. you'd have no idea. You have, to, you have to look at a set of financial statements. You have to look at, I look at the expenditures first. I wasn't taught that. Hmm. That's my instinct. I want to know how you're spending your money. And, and the conversation kind of goes like this. Tell me how you spend your money. It's an yeah. open-ended question. Encouraging them to talk. Okay? And then I can become more and more specific as I encourage them to tell me more and more. So when I find out how they spend their money, I get some idea of the psychology that I'm dealing Mm -hmm. with. Like, do you shop for bargains? No, I never shop. That tells you something. Sure. Okay? That kind of thing. So how are you spending your money right now? And you figure out 
well, they're spending $5,000 a month. So they need $5,000 a month after tax to be able to make ends meet. So where does it come from? Well, you look at their employment income, their business income, their investment income, all that kind of stuff, and you try to match them up. And if there's a shortfall, that's a deficit. And if there's a surplus, that's obviously a surplus. That's the extra money that you have to work with. That's the money that you can add to your TFSA, your RRSP, and all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, it. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. Listening to Dollars and Cents, I'm Elaine Spallin with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. For information on any of the services we talk about on the show, go to sands-trustee.com. In this segment, we're talking about what happens when you don't have any income. You're in debt, you don't have any income or other resources to help pay your debts. That is how big a segment of the of the folks in debt does that take up? Well, you'd be surprised. So it's, you know, the old adage, you can't get blood from a stone. It's absolutely true. You know, if you've got someone telling you you owe money and you know, honest to goodness, there's no way you can pay that money. You know, many people don't know what the next step is from there. You know, can I be thrown in jail? Am I going to be in the newspaper as a deadbeat? Is someone going to come and take all of my assets? So, you know, we won't say it's a huge segment of the people that come to see us, but definitely a lot of senior citizens, um, you know, this is their situation. They have very few assets, they've got some debt, and they just don't know what the risks are, what they have to be worried about or not worried about. And a really small income or a very limited income each month to pay for whatever, and then the debt on top of that. Yeah, and it's an income, Elaine, that generally isn't going to increase very much. Right. Maybe you're going to get cost of living, you know, a couple percent, but, you know, costs go up every year in the lower mainland. Your accommodations probably go up by more than that. Your food goes up by more than that. So quite often seniors are in a situation where the real income, it's maybe it's being flat or it's even declining a little bit each month. Yeah. Very, very true. So what happens in this, in this case? You can't, uh, you can't take more money from them, but, but how do you give this person a hand? Yeah, so part of it is everyone that comes in, we spend about an hour, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. We do a complete consultation. So we do a review of their entire situation, and we understand exactly what is it that they're facing. Now, the person that we're talking about today is what's called creditor-proof or judgment-proof. And these may be terms that listeners have heard before. And what it means is that even if the person was sued, so even if the creditors decided, you know, get a lawyer, take the person to court, they would get a judgment, but they still couldn't collect on it because the person has nothing. Okay. okay. So creditor proof means that there's essentially either no income or there's minimal income, something like, you know, a pension, um, you know, a retirement benefit or something like that that meets the person's basic needs, but not very much more than that. And that they've got very few assets. Now, I don't mean they don't have, you know, a chair to sit on. The province of BC says no matter what, you're entitled to some very basic levels of assets that every human being is entitled to. Things like your household furniture can never be taken from you. Your clothing obviously can never be taken from you. Even a vehicle worth up to $5,000 can never be taken from you. 
So we go through and review, you know, essentially the assets or the, the lack of assets, and we come to a picture of whether the person is creditor-proof or judgment-proof or not. Okay. So that would also include, because one thing we didn't mention is if I'm living in, let's say I'm in that category and I'm living in an apartment, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's a fixed rent. Uh, again, that's something that doesn't get uh, anything attached to it. The debtors, the debt can't get attached to that. I've got to be able to live somewhere, right? I mean, that's, that's, right. that's the piece that I think is really important too, that the province protects mm-hmm. us from, from being thrown out on the street. Oh yeah, you've got you got to pay your rent each, each month, right? But yeah, there's definitely good protections for for tenants. Now, what I find too is sometimes people are saying there's just not enough to go around because they're trying to pay their rent and they're also trying to make a bunch of payments on these debts right. where they're actually judgment proof. They're actually the person is creditor proof. And when I explain to them that actually if you stop paying on these debts, here's what's likely to happen. We're going to go through all of it today, Elaine, so don't don't worry, it's nothing too too bad here. Yeah. You know, if you stop paying on these debts, suddenly you're able to live again. You can afford your rent without worrying about it. You can afford to buy groceries instead of the food bank. But if you if you keep paying all the interest and all these debts because you don't think there's another way out, you again, you put yourself further into hardship quite often. And that's the difference between Sands & Associates and let's say Credit Counselor mm-hmm. or the other organizations we've talked about in the past. You guys can actually do something about it. You can say, no, you are protected. This and mm-hmm. this and this can't be touched. Uh, they The creditors can either walk away if if they if you fall into this category of judgment proof um and and you're back on track yeah what i'm what i'm most proud of as part of sands and associates is we're beholden to nobody we're independent we're not funded by creditors so if you walk into the credit counseling society for example a large proportion of their funding comes from creditors you can bet that their advice is going to be something that's going to result in you paying back that debt to the best of your ability. We're beholden to nobody. I'm an independent officer of the court. My objective is to give you the information so that you can make the decisions. If you decide you want to you know, do whatever you can to pay back the debt, that's great, but I want you to be very clear that if you can't pay it back, here's what's likely to happen. And, l- and let's go through that a bit today, Elaine. Sure, let's do that then. Yeah. So if you owe somebody money in the province of BC and you don't pay them, they can do a few things to you. Okay, They can call you. They can do these harassing, intimidating phone calls. Um, You know, they're not supposed to threaten you, but quite often they do. And they can start at, you know, seven in the morning until about nine at night. Okay. So usually it's those calls that tend to really get people anxious, get them running through the door to see us. Now, most people won't tell you this, most professionals you go to see, but if you come to Sands and Associates, we'll explain to you exactly how BC law protects you and gives you the opportunity to just remove your consent for collection calls. It's literally that simple. Very, very, and that's got to be so reassuring to anyone yeah. who's listening who falls into that category because it's it's just an awful situation to be yeah. in, right? That hopelessness and feeling like there's no help out there. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there is. So you're getting called, you know, six times a day. We'll sit down with you. We'll show you. Here's the letter you have to send to your creditors. You send them this letter. You provide them with your address. From there on in, all you're going to get is letters, no further calls, and that's what BC law requires. It's a lot easier to deal with the letter where there's going to be no threats because they have to write everything down as opposed to coming over the phone for you. So I tell people, you know, get the letters, call me if the letters bother you. But at the end of the day, that's usually where it stops. If you send a letter saying, I don't consent to any more phone calls, usually that's the end of the story for most people who are judgment proof. Okay. Um, can we, uh, I wanted to ask you about, so how do you, how do you not get into that situation in the first place? Like what are the things that we can do now to protect ourselves from this happening, that from being vulnerable to those creditors? Well, I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to having a regular budget each month, you know, really trying not to overextend yourself. You know, in, in many cases, you know, I see someone after a 
the music has stopped, so to speak. You know, they're already in debt. And, you know, quite often, you know, someone got sick or a relationship broke down or or something else like that. So, you know, sometimes there's nothing you can do to guard against it. But definitely the more you can do to have a regular budget, um, to have an emergency fund, each of those things are definitely going to help you. I like I like some of these things too that we've talked mm-hmm. about in the past about looking after and protecting your your assets or your bank account or your checking account about really protecting that and not giving anyone else access to that. Yeah. So one thing that we say here, you know, one thing is is to make sure no one else physically has access to you know someone that you know, but it's also if you're banking somewhere where you owe money you're giving that person you owe money to access to your bank account implicitly. So if you're going to RBC with your visa and RBC is also your daily banking account, you have made it too easy for RBC to get paid. Because what happens is if you can't pay that bank account, sorry, that visa card, they're going to go and seize your bank account. Okay. And they have access to that. And they and have access to it because you probably it, yep. signed that paper allowing that too, yeah. right? At some point. So if someone takes nothing else away from this segment other than you can stop collection calls, the other thing is never bank where you owe money. Because if you bank at any other institution, for them to force you to pay to seize anything from your account, they have to go through, hire a lawyer, take you to court. It's not a criminal matter. You'll never be thrown in jail. Um, But at the end of the day, they have to go through and spend thousands of dollars to collect from you if you've changed your bank to somewhere else. Now, that's so interesting because the banks and all the, you know, credit... uh, um uh, credit unions even will want you to take one of their credit cards. Of course, I've and I, it, I'm getting a little aha here. Mm-hmm. I had never thought about that before, but I get yeah. asked about that all the time at my credit union. Oh, do you want to take out another Visa card? Mm-hmm. It protects the bank. They have what's called the right of offset. They can offset a debt against an asset under their own umbrella. They can't do that if it's a different bank. So your bank wants you all under one roof for their benefit. For wow. your benefit, keep your debts and your banking separate. And it's pretty and it's pretty easy to do these days, right? Yeah. We have lots of options. Yeah, any chartered bank in Canada, they have to open an account for you. It's not a question of hey, they'll run a credit check and they'll say no, we won't open an account. They absolutely have to. That's Canadian law. Have to do it. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting too. Uh, anything else you want to add before we close out this segment for those uh, for those folks that have low, 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 low incomes? Yeah, I would encourage them to just even have a conversation. If you phone us up, it's free advice. I don't have any problem giving insight if someone's facing and they think they're judgment proof, but they're not quite sure. We can ask a number of questions. We can give you some good advice and these are the right resources. Even if we can't help, we'll be a very good first step. That's great. Thank you, Blair. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. If you want to get a fresh start, 1-800-661-3030 for a free consultation and to find an office near you. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. (laughs) And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.